Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello to you all and welcome to the 58th edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. I'm Michael Bailey. I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, skip to the good bit, Toddtastic and Jan The Ball City. Uh, I reread that a few minutes ago and realised it didn't work, but I've gone with it anyway. Uh, we will work through all that and more with our guests this evening. Norwich number one chief at NCFC Numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders. Hi, Michael. And making his on-the-ball debut, it's sports broadcaster and journalist, Michael McCann. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us, guys. Much appreciated. How are we? Steve, I'll come to you first. Are you good? And also, before you answer, answer that mm. question, uh, are the other stats flying? Because I know, you know, the first year you really had a go at this, it was like, wow, these numbers are huge because everything's going so well. <laughs> and then obviously the Premier League was just depressing. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, difficult numbers, difficult numbers. Well, you know, we're back on the good side now. Yeah, it's probably somewhere between those two stools, to be honest. I think it's going well, but can I be a bit pick it up? Can we, just, can we just score a few more, break a few more records, and, and that? You know, am I asking too much? They're not excelling at either end of the pitch, are they? No, which level, makes yeah. it. Yeah, which make but you know I was spoiled the first season. I admit that. Can I just ask about Jan the Ball City? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What is that a reference to? I'm, I was just trying to scratch my head. Are, are we are we saving that as a uh, as a treat for later? It's 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 no it's no tease. Uh, we will be talking about um, the transfer window in a tick and the potential signing oh. of Dimitris Yanoulis because okay. you twigged it's not Giannoulis or Giannoulis, which I Thank said you. in my video. Uh, I know Michael came. Michael had a quick chat with you earlier, and also I spoke to a Greek friend um, a couple of days ago and literally got him to tell me it, um, which okay. was very, very helpful. Uh, Michael, your debut. Hello there. How are you? Hello. I'm good. The first thing I have to hone in on is I reckon Steve's ability for this numbers lark is going to be really tested when Norwich end up at some point having some inevitably drab mid-table championship season <laughs> that's where the metal's really going to be tested like it's all exciting at the moment the Farker and Weber era it's all happening history shows and Steve is a numbers guy that inevitably at some point Norwich will be back in the championship having a mid-table season and it's when they are 12th in March that you will turn to Steve and say right this is where you earn your call. And long may it not happen because there's already been too many years like that in my relatively young life when not commentating on championship football. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I mean, my my whole bedrock of, of Norwich City season ticketing um, as a supporter was basically nine years of mediocrity. And they only got promoted after I uh, went on a trip to India halfway through the season it's a it's a story i've told before but uh, not on the athletics so maybe maybe one day uh, michael did you have a good weekend you were you were busy doing some good work for sky sports football on sunday and you were at the game at the weekend yeah i did so i did the norwich city cardiff game which actually sort of dovetails quite well well with this um and then the highlights went on on sky the next day 
And I'm not just saying it because you've invited me on here in any kind of pressure, given the regalia that you've got behind you. But that first half performance, I think, was the best I've seen from Norwich this season. Oof. That was quite something. Um, the, the, you know, they let them back in, which is a very Norwich thing to do. But it was it was a joy to behold um, and see in person. But again, it's a theme, and I've got a couple of numbers on it that we might come back to. But, <sighs> but uh, you, you know, I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to cut you off there, Michael, because you know what? We're not going to talk about that, or at least we're not going to talk about that yet. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to hold you on. Um, you do this because um, I haven't written it down. If people want to follow you on Twitter. At this is McCann, completely shameless. Love it, seamless. Love it. Get following Michael. Right, I tell you what, we're going to crack on with this week's headline act. It was a long trip for myself. Uh, I do wish all of you fans could could have made the trip as well, but alas, uh, it was one of those weekends where I had about six ideas of what to write after the game, uh, and most of them then weren't going to work. So that's a little insight into my job. Um, so Monday morning, awaiting you, uh, was a keen eye on Oliver Skip's performance at Cardiff, some Tottenham context, and perhaps a question that I'm starting to uh, give more thought to now, uh, which is what happens next season. Uh, You can read my piece on The Athletic and if you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up to all our content right now for £3.99 per month. Just visit theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod. Let me get a handle on this, Steve. How good is Oliver Skip really? I think he's tremendous. Uh, I I probably would have said the same about um, Tom Tribal before I saw us play in the Premier League last year. So I'm sort of reluctant to go too overboard, but I do think he's up there with the top. He's in the top three of the of um, all of our players this season in terms of performance. I would say so far, I think it's his energy as much as anything else that that really impresses me. Uh, I was looking at the minutes that everyone's played this season in the Championship, and he is fifth, the only player under 21. Max is obviously ahead of him and has just turned 21, and I. I I think we've been looking for years for somebody who can do that screening job that Teddy does, still have the kind of confidence on the ball that, that Teddy doesn't, um, but that, that Tom Tribal did. We may have found that in Skip. It's just a shame that he's he's not our player and we may only get to enjoy him for one year. But to me, he looks like somebody who will have a future in the Premier League without question. It's a tricky position, isn't it? And it's been a tricky position for Norwich pretty much since Alex Tetty arrived because it has really been Alex Tetty's kingdom. And and even though sometimes they've maybe needed to upgrade it, they've they've never really found someone who could either do the job or someone, and I'm thinking of Ibrahim Amadou here really, who the, the manager has enough faith in. Yeah, they've been very aware of the need to, it's almost become a bit of a running joke. You know, Alex Tetty has had his detractors can somebody replace him? Back he comes. Can someone replace him? Back he comes. And you blink and you miss it. And he's got 250 plus appearances. It's not that Alex Tetty's done a bad job, but it's Steve, as Steve eloquently said, it's the ability to break a press with a pass that really, amongst other things, separates Skip. And actually, I read your piece, but as you said, a lot of what Skip does, you can't actually really quantify in stats. He's not that type of player. You also remember the assurance that he gives to the centre-halves behind him. And then he almost looks like he's kind of growing up week by week in the championship. Not that he ever didn't look like he belonged. The main example I'd cite, seeing it on Saturday, was the second yellow for Marlon Pack. He knew exactly what he was doing. He drew him in, nudged the ball away, knew the challenge was coming, 
took the tackle, took the hit. He's very brave. I mean, he's taken some horrific tackles already this season, but he knew that by taking that, he was going to leave the ref with absolutely no choice by not actually jumping out the way of it at all. Draws the second yellow, and that seemed to kind of end the bulk of Cardiff's. They still obviously had chances going forward, but it really took the sting out of something of a recovery because Norwich then have that extra man, and as they like to do anyway late on in games, were better able to keep the ball and then see it home. Yeah, it was a huge moment, actually, because the, the dynamic of the game was quite awkward and Kiefer Moore, the, the tree trunk that he is, was was causing all sorts of issues. Ollie's a brilliant one. I mean, Marlon Pack was just desperate to two-foot someone all game. That was what he sort of set out to do, I think. Really interesting with Ollie. I, the thing I probably not appreciated as much is, is the versatility on the pitch. You know, he will he will sit in at right back if he needs to when when Max is pushed on, which I guess with, with Tom, Tom exclusively, Tom Tribal would exclusively pick the ball up between the centre backs and it was very predictable whereas Ollie will be much more diverse in where he is you know sometimes he will be covering on the other side and actually even though Kenny's left footed they Kenny McLean they, they would switch sides as they did drop back at right back which would sort of add a different dynamic and empty the middle there's you know a lot more versatility in what Ollie does I mean he is only nine is he 19 did you say sorry you did say Steve is he 20 now um so I mean you can you can see how Rory is I mean he's played 2,000 minutes this season and I think he only had 700 for Spurs in senior games before that so this is a huge a huge um, contribution to his professional career you know there wasn't much before it so you can see how Rory is and actually in a way the the, the, the weaknesses have come from just positionally switching off or just the lack of experience in in the role but in terms of his actual assets I really think they're all there and, and how well he can break forward with the ball and 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 his sort of ability to pass the ball and knowing where it's going without necessarily having to look there first. You know, we've got the pitch mapped in his head, which I think is something, again, you do well to find a stat on that or, a, or an analytic that picks that up. But it's all those little, those little things. And I have to say, Steve, that the way it's working with Kenny McLean, and I know a few other people have picked this up, does is really dovetailing well. And as I did in my piece, you know, Kenny also deserves some credit for that. I think this is the best he's, I know he played well a lot of the time last season, but I genuinely think this is his best run of form in a, uh, for, for the club since he arrived. Yeah, I think he's been brilliant recent weeks. Um, I, I think I spoke about him last week and said how good he was then. I, th I thought he was fantastic in the first half on Saturday. Um, big part of the second goal, obviously. Uh, I suppose to, to, to bring it back to Skip, obviously he, he also had that partnership with Rupp. Uh, and I thought at the start of the season, well, these, these, these will be on midfield too for the rest of the season. So he, he has been able to dovetail quite well with whoever he's been put in there with. And I, I, I kind of think, you know, <laughs> I remember seeing him making the old cameo appearance in the um, All or Nothing Spurs documentary and go, oh, yeah, there he is. He's he <laughs> now. Um, but I do think he's the sort of player that Mourinho really like. The energy being one of the reasons he can get up and down really well. I thought he was fantastic in that Stoke game where we were down to 10 men and he was bounding up and down the pitch. Uh, and the other the other memory that really sticks in my mind is a slightly specific one. But it's the Sheffield Wednesday game. And I remember it because it's the only game I've been to in the flesh this season. But we were 1-0 down and they were breaking away maybe well, 15 minutes to go. Skip brings the a Sheffield Wednesday player down. Sorry, I can't remember the name. With essentially a professional foul. It's, it's just it's a yellow card foul. He knows what he's doing. He's taking the man out. And obviously, we then, I think within a minute, two minutes, we'd equalise. And within five minutes, we were two on up. And I, I think back to the, the Premier League season where teams were running all over us and we just, we were kind of allowing it to happen. The, the first Watford goal when Buendia gives the ball away, there were about two or three challenges could have been made from the halfway line. And I thought of that moment and thought, 
that's what we've been lacking. That's what we've been lacking in the last couple of years. We need somebody who's not afraid to do that. And uh, Skip's got that in his game as well. And I think, unfortunately, he may not go far with us, but I do think he, he will be part of that Tottenham squad next season if they want him. I mean, that, that's that's definitely something Jose's going to like, <laughs> a rugby tackle if a team's coming on, on, on the break. Uh, and, and yes, obviously, my piece does touch on on Ollie Skip's future. I think we know a few facts, don't we, Michael? I think we know that Jose really likes him. We know that Jose said that Ollie Skip is staying with Norwich for the rest of this season, which is, of course, key and great news. He has said that he will be back with them next season, which... I take is that that's clearly how it's going to start. I think the general consensus is then they'll have a look at what their midfield is like at the end of the window. But I suppose the, the difficulty for Norwich is that if they say do go up, which is what, what we're talking about in this context, and they wanted Ollie Skip back, they'd probably want an early decision because they're not going to want to hang around until the end of August. So it's tricky, uh, really tricky, because you'd love to have Ollie back if Norwich go up. But I don't know if I can really think of a scenario where it happens. I think if you'll skip, you're naturally, if you come out of this season, as we're assuming, with a championship winner's medal around your neck. And, oh, yes. <laughs> well, no, but, no, because that's, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. we're, we're talking. Yeah, if yeah. you've got that championship winner's medal around your neck and you've been consistently playing as one of the best midfielders in the division, you are well-placed to go back to Jose Mourinho and say, hey, I deserve a crack at at least being around your matchday squads. And from speaking to a few people he's someone that's naturally very ambitious and why shouldn't he be and so I, I just wonder whether for him from a selfish point of view Norwich City supporters might not want to hear this is actually that he goes and proves that he's someone that's capable to go back to Spurs and at the very least be in and around squads and actually playing a significant amount of minutes as opposed to being the guy that maybe plays one game a season and so from that point of view combined with the deadlines that you mentioned I would say right now even in that world, it looks relatively unlikely. The only thing that might count in the favour of it, if Skip goes and has pre-season with Spurs, and as can so often happen with these young players, Spurs then decide actually they've got better options or they make a, a big signing in that position, which the amount of times you see these clubs who look theoretically well-stocked in one position and then go and still decide to spend a lump of their transfer budget on that rather than a less well-stocked position doesn't cease to amaze me. And then... Maybe you get a scenario late in the window where where Skip potentially something unexpected happens. Norwich, as we know, under Farker and Weber like to do their business early, but I think they would make an exception for a player that's contributed that exceptionally. And they'd say, actually, look, are Norwich likely to by then have got two players in at his level or better? Difficult to imagine, given that Norwich wouldn't exactly have the biggest budget in the world. So I don't think it's impossible that even if it didn't happen early in that window, it could still not yet happen. Jose said how important it is that he's experiencing winning games. I mean, if he spent next season in the Premier League with Norwich, the chances of it that being the case would would would, <laughs> would be obviously a bit more a bit more limited. We'd have to see. But by the same token, he's been here, and I think Daniel Farker has a great reputation for what he's doing with people. Um, it does kind of feel though, Steve, that in terms of Norwich, if they were being um, savvy, they would be already looking at a shortlist for a defensive midfielder for next season. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure there will be. Regardless of which league we're in, we're going to need a replacement for Skip. That's what it sounds like. Um, I Alex Tetty, maybe. Have to, we have to be thinking bigger. And I think what they, let's say, we do have championship medals around our necks, not us obviously, but the squad, um, come next season, I don't think we're going to be seeing another last-minute loan. Let's put it that way. I do think they will prioritise it this time, knowing that that was one that they got wrong 
last time. Jacob Sorensen, I'll mention him because he's obviously being looked at as a number six as well. And there are obviously other players. But uh, yeah, read the piece. It's on The Athletic. Enjoy it. I'll tell you what, I think we're going to move on to this now, which is things... We are not going to talk about, yes, counterintuitively, these are the things that have happened and deserve acknowledgement, but we are only going to acknowledge them by stating how we are not going to talk about them. Makes sense? Of course it does. And also, we only have three minutes to do it. Um, and wonderfully, uh, producer Tom has got some dramatic music ready to go. Da cue music, Tom. Right, this week we are not going to talk about, he says, um, victory, <laughs> Norwich won and Cardiff. It was a wonderful win. Uh, the table's looking good, uh, although there are teams with games in hand, so it's worth bearing that in mind. But certainly in terms of PPG, which we should be aware about, points per game, uh, Norwich are doing remarkably well, but uh, we're not going to talk about that. Wendy to Arsenal. <laughs> Ozil's, Ozil's left, so they need a... They and need therefore, a... that definitely means they're going to sign Emi Benpia. Like, talk about the dictionary definition of false equivalency. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't think it's any coincidence that Arsenal can suddenly pay off Meza Ozil having just received a massive bank loan. So the idea of them then using that bank loan to spend 40, 35, however much you want to say, million pounds on Emi Buendia is... Well, I did have a friend who wanted to do yet another interview with you about it, Michael. So I was going to yes, send I'm him sure, your Because yeah. I know <laughs> yeah. you love yeah. talking about it. I'm available in February, February the 3rd, February the 2nd, I reckon. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that. Um, uh, Bali Mumba, Javi Kintia, they both tested positive for, for coronavirus. We, of course, wish them all the very best. Uh, I think Norwich are up to nine positive tests uh, now. Uh, but hopefully Tim Krull, um, I think he's feeling better. I think he has tested negative. So I would imagine there is a chance he could play against Bristol City. But we're not going to talk about that. And I'm also speculating. I think we need to talk Todd as well because uh, he was he was fantastic on Saturday. I, I know that um, <laughs> no one can see my face. Yeah, I'll, I'll drop you in it, Michael. I know you. We have slightly different views on this one, but, uh, but in my opinion, he was best player on the pitch on Saturday. Well, I just I, I find it really different. So he was really good, and there were lots of players who were really good. I just the stuff about him being unplayable. I mean, if you'd scored two or three, he had some great chances and, you know, I, he, there were some great efforts there. But, you know, if you just hit one of those on target or ping, I don't know. I just maybe just feel unplayable was a bit of a stretch. I'm, I do not want this sounding like I felt that he was bad because he wasn't. He was really good. And the fact that he's finding his rhythm, I find a lot of joy in. It's not so just that, the rhythm, I'm in the middle. I, I, I think the, the work rate. For, to me was, was yes. incredibly impressive as well he was really chasing down lost causes until uh, did, did he get subbed off and then I think he played 90 didn't he um, yeah he, I, I thought that that to me was the, was the real standout thing it's a shame we've mentioned Emmy before Todd again <laughs> oh well you know that is a different argument whether whether Todd gets a raw deal than Emmy. but there we go we're not going to talk about that Michael Norwich City 16th in the championship for shot conversion very wasteful <laughs> front of all. And if that doesn't change in the Premier League, it's difficult to necessarily see a different result. One of the very com common conversations is, you know, what what needs to change to to basically next season if they were to go up to find a way to stay up. And right now in the Championship, they're the fifth highest scorers in the division, and they've got the fifth leakiest defence. So they're doing this weird thing where they're sort of they're finding a way to win games, and it's very commendable, but they're still offering you a chance at the back. And they're still finding a way to score goals whilst creating a ridiculously, ridiculously amazing amount of good chances and not taking them. And we know next season, factually, they won't be able to do that because it's a much higher quality of football. So without wanting to be too much of a Debbie Downer, 
that's what they would have to change next season. And actually, oddly, they might be top and in this great position. I still don't think we've seen the best from them yet. No, I would agree with that, definitely. And Daniel Vark has definitely been asked about the shot conversion. I mean, I think they need a striker. Um, but I'd just like to throw in, I thought Jordan Hugill played his best game in an orange shirt on, uh, on Saturday, but we're not going to talk about that. And I think that's everything on my list apart from um, well done for protecting Daniel Barden because I thought it was a few moments where he looked a bit raw on Saturday and Norwich did a good job of protecting him. Loved his hair, by the way, obviously, uh, so he won't get called Screech anymore. Uh, and uh, Team Pookie side strain. A bit worried it's going to be more than like a few days but hopefully not yeah but then you, you're right Hugo did a good job I um I have one more thing to throw in because yes. I didn't use it at the weekend but um there were a ridiculous number of free kicks in this game Card- Cardiff committed 26 fouls I was looking back we no one has fouled Norwich City more than 21 times uh in the last five years and Cardiff did it 26 times and there were 41 fouls altogether I don't Amazing. know if anyone cares about that but just as you raised it with Pat about Marlon Pack going around um, two-footing everyone. I think they all were. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. That doesn't surprise me because watching the game in that first half in particular, it did feel like Norwich just had the ball until somebody got chopped. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> the only other thing I'd throw in, which is a more obvious one, which goes back to exactly what I said about they offer you a chance at the back, but they find a way to score goals. It was yet another 2-1 win. It's the score that's so unsurprising because it so suits this Norwich side. They can't quite keep it keep it shut at the back, but they, they've always got a threat in them and they'll create that many big chances that it's kind of law of averages that eventually at some point someone will take one. Just on the fouls, I think it was a, it was a mix between, I think there were one or two Norwich bought I have to say, and I know the car, yeah, I radio, the local radio was seeing as much. There was one anyway. or two they bought. <laughs> and also Cardiff assumed you could slide straight through the back of people because they just kept doing it and then would get up going, oh, what do you mean? I got the ball. I mean, obviously I went through his ankles, but it's fine. So, uh, you know, we were on a mix of that, but that is a great stat. Well done, Steve. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, I tell you what, we've got um, this, the welcome edition and return of Centerfold. This is um, just a chance to flag up, really, my piece on Ben Gibson at the end of last week, where uh, basically so far this season, he's been the championship's best defender with the ball at his feet. So we're going to ignore the defending. I'm not saying he's been a bad defender, by the way, just to clarify. But he has definitely been the best defender with the ball at his feet, which is probably why he's keeping Christoph Zimmerman out of the team, to be honest, because um, that, that, that's a big call in itself. He certainly impressed me, I think, probably beyond what I was expecting him. And he does kind of feel quite an astute signing, doesn't he? Looking Again, we're getting so far ahead of ourselves. We can barely see ourselves in the distance, Steve. But, um, you know, it'd be a decent Premier League season for like 8 million quid. Let's look at the other scenario we don't go. Sign him anyway. I, I just don't think... You know, I, I know I know that's a lot of money to throw at a centre-back, but it's been another problem position for us in the last few years. If they don't gonna go up, they're going to get a load of money for players anyway. I know I don't know what the finances look like at the club, but I do know that you ain't going to get a better centre-half than Ben Gibson. Uh, I, I just think he's fit into, you know, he's a perfect fit for us. We're a perfect fit for him. He looks like somebody that's capable of making the step up. You, the, the stats bear out, I think, what Norwich fans already think of him, which is that he's brilliant with the ball at his feet. Um, I actually think he's a cut above Zimmerman. Zimmerman's older than Gibson as well by three days, but he is older. <laughs> so they are an equivalent age. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking when we were talking about Skip, when was the last time he had a loan 
as good as Skip um, come to Norwich. And I think you could ask the same same question about Gibson. They they should absolutely sign him next summer. I hadn't uh, I hadn't really thought of this. Uh, I have to say, but I I think it will be incredibly hard to sign him if they don't go up. I must admit, because A, I don't think they'll have the money. And I think Bert, effectively what the deal has done is set the price for him. Um, and if, say, I suppose if Norwich, say, finish fourth and don't go up in the playoffs, there will be a lot of teams who'd probably, he's done so well. You could say now he's done so well this season that he's going to be quite attractive. Yeah. Um, obviously not just as a man, but as a footballer. So, um, you know, we'd have to, uh, we'll have to see. I, I hadn't really thought of it. And then you said it and I was like, Mm. so um let's just ignore that possibility and assume Norwich get promoted because that's what we've done for the past 25 <laughs> minutes um obviously that brings us on to the January transfer window which is obviously flying such an exciting period of time I think we can all agree it's just an absolute joy of of stuff uh, Norwich's goalkeeper search is uh, remaining quiet at the moment uh, I think the way I see it at the moment Tim Crawler's obviously once he's back, that'll be great. Daniel Barden could probably back him up. You're just going to have to hope that Tim Crawl wouldn't be out for an extended period of time if you don't get anyone else in. That's when it's going to start getting twitchy. And we know Steve thinks that it would be a misguided uh, scenario to not bring in someone to cover. Uh, but it's quiet at the moment. What's not quiet is Norwich's new left back who um, is in the process of being signed. I... Uh, don't think it'll have been confirmed by the time you listen to this podcast, but uh, Norwich are, of course, at home to Bristol City on Wednesday. I think we're going to be pretty close to that. Michael, you've been doing some digging. No one wants to hear from me. So let's hear your digging. I have, yes. Demetrius Yanoulis. So there he is. He, he's, well, set to sign by this point, might already ha- have done in a similarly structured deal to Gibson. So it's a loan with an obligation to buy for around six million if they're promoted, which again, it makes a lot of practical sense. He's a natural left back, which is what Norwich have been craving due to Kintia's absence due to injury. And then, of course, COVID, you know, Sorensen has filled in brilliantly. And Farker, I know, did say that he now considers Sorensen a long term left back option. But that's by no means his premier position. He was, you know, he's been thrown in and done a very good job. But a team misses out, particularly a Daniel Farker team, in the way those wing backs are so important and were with Lewis and Aaron's when you haven't got that left back that can naturally go and hug a touchline. He's a left back that's probably more in the mould of what one might expect of a Daniel Farker left back than, say, Javi Kintia. He's not someone that's inclined to cross very much. He's someone that likes to dribble. He likes to get forward. He's very aggressive. He can fly into challenges and early on in his career did have a bit of a bad run of, of some pretty poor sendings off, but that has by all accounts stopped in the last two or three seasons. He's got very good work rate and excellent stamina. Uh, the main difficulty he's going to have is obviously adjusting from the Greek Super League to the Championship, two completely different things, all the normal cliches about different different area, different region, different style of football, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the deal makes a lot of good sense for Norwich. He's been playing regularly. He's been playing very well and has been widely acknowledged to be one of, if not the best fullback in the Greek Super League going. And it's seen as a very, very good deal for Norwich and a very good fit for both parties. By all accounts, he'd been wanting and his agent had been trying quite avidly to get him onto more mainland European chores in towards your traditional stronger leagues. And this, from their side, is seen as a chance to be a Premier League player in six months, um, a chance that other Premier League clubs weren't willing to go and, say, take on him. And so the chance for him to come here, stake a claim, play every week, 
you know, beat Javi Cantia to that left-back spot and then make that deal permanent and be a Premier League player is what's brought him here. And I think it makes a lot of sense for both parties, assuming that it goes ahead. I would imagine there will be some sort of uh, peace on The Athletic over the next week or so. So I'm sure we're going to address this whole subject uh, next week in next week's On The Ball pod. Uh, Michael, beautifully put, I have to say, yeah, I mean, it does sound like they're getting a Premier League player and they're going to get a few months to condition him in the in the championship, which I think is really astute. And they're very excited. They're really excited about the quality of, of player they're getting. I mean, it's, it, you know, it, it's... It's. Uh, I suppose you have, you have to see how these things always unravel, of course, and, and what we what we get. But, um, but yeah, very interesting. Steve, can I just ask the quick question? And and agree that was really really interesting what what Michael had to say there. But uh, to you, um, other Michael, what do you think this will mean for um, for Javi Kintia for the rest of this season? I don't think uh, I don't think the loan will end like immediately. Uh, I don't think unless something really drastically happens and, and toys get thrown out of the pram. I don't know. Um, I, I suppose someone could could offer Xavi somewhere where he might get regular football for the rest of the season because I guess that's the that's the the sort of you don't know if if um, if uh, Demetrius gets injured or anything like that you know Xavi could get the opportunity I I think if I was Norwich I would I would be sitting Xavi down and say look we're bringing him in but, but you know you're both here you've both got the opportunity to fight for it and whoever stays and if we go up. Um, you're going to get a contract. So off you go. Um, so there's that element. And I think Norwich would kind of need the support, I suppose, the cover of two natural left backs, which they haven't got, especially while Sam Byram can't get back fit. And the other thing I would say is that they're both very, like Michael was saying, quite different in terms of what they deliver. So I think that's a factor as well. I do think Yanulis fits much better, though, with the style of play that we've seen from Daniel Farker. Javi Kintia is not a natural dribbler. He's someone that likes to tee the ball up, level with the edge of the penalty area and fire across him, which doesn't really fit with the way Norwich like to play, even when Jordan Hugill tends to be on the pitch, although that does give it a slightly better natural link-up. And I might be wrong, but I don't believe that the Kintia deal has a clause that means that even if they go up, it has to be made permanent. Correct. Whereas, say, with Yanulis, if they go up, it ha- my understanding is that the way the deal's structured is it has to be. So my inclination is that they will then look to promote Yanulis where possible and give him the chance to impress. It slightly reminds me in a way, although it's a different scenario, of the Tim Krul, ralph Farman situation in the Premier League. They would probably prefer the player who they're possibly going to go on being obligated to sign if they go up to be the one that takes on the spot. And so he's coming over and he's fit and ready to play. And my inclination is that relatively soon they will look to get him involved. And that if the signing goes through, that Barnsley Cup game could actually be the perfect time to give him a debut and see what see what they've got from him. Kinsia could still fight and win his place back. It's not like he's a bad player, but in the style that Norwich play, he maybe doesn't fit quite as well as what Yanulis will give them. The other thing that I forgot to mention that I've just seen down in my notes that's really important is he's really quick as well. <laughs> which, again, that you can totally see why they've signed him from speaking to quite a lot of people in Greek football. He fits the mould of a Daniel Farker fullback. And providing that he matches the form that he's shown in Greece, then he'll be a good asset for them. Uh, well, that's brilliant. Obviously, there's a lot to happen over the course of the week. Uh, keep an eye on theathletic.co.uk and the Athletic app because I can assure you if anything happens and if there's anything of concrete note, I will be breaking it and you'll be able to catch it there.
Okay, this is just like fantasy football, to paraphrase the famous Norwich City commentary line uttered by John Motson during the uh, UEFA Cup run. This is almost fantasy football. We are recording as we usually do on a Monday, but it's a busy week again with Norwich uh, hosting Bristol City in the Championship on Wednesday night. It's a 6pm kickoff and it's live on Sky in case you wanted to follow it uh, before an FA Cup fourth round tie at Barnsley on uh, on Saturday, that's at Oakwell, three o'clock kickoff. So uh, what I wanted to do is paint a picture of the forthcoming seven days. And then um, when what we are doing um, is basically giving you the opportunity out there to laugh at us uh, with our, uh, laugh at our picture with the valuable gift of hindsight. Sorry, it's a bit stuttery there. It's turning into a Boris Johnson speech, but I'll, I'll reel back on that. Um, so let's uh, let's predict it then. Bristol City, FA Cup, then joy of or not uh, at Barnsley. What, what's going to happen over the next uh, seven days? Michael, what can you what can you visage? Bristol City are thoroughly inconsistent and away from home recently. They've been not great. Lost four of their last five and they've Knowledge. not even traveling to the more difficult places having had oh. a scroll through. Oh. That's not too much of a disrespect, but in terms of table-wise, I would go that Norwich will beat Bristol City, but that both teams will score. I would probably, if I had a house, put it on 2-1. And, uh, <laughs> been doing not? that season you probably have a few houses by now to be fair and then as for Barnsley in the cup I, I think the priority for Norwich is just basically play a slightly weakened team it was a question I was going to throw back to you two if you were offered three points or fifth round in the cup at home to Chelsea behind closed doors is there any doubt as to what you choose oh. uh, not for me three points well, yeah three points initially but then the FA Cup's a bit... Well, basically, what I would say is the FA Cup is a bit of fun and I think Norwich will go up anyway. <laughs> so, you know, we're so cocksure of ourselves at the moment. Um, if it, particularly because the Chelsea game isn't even isn't even in front of fans. I don't want them playing Luton again. I've got to be honest. <laughs> I've had enough of Luton. I've had enough of Luton this year. Well, they beat Bournemouth. They're um, particularly at home. They're a real. They're a real spoiler. Luke. What I will say about Bristol City that I heard on, um, I think it was on the, the Quest Highlight Show, um, is that they have won every game that they've taken the lead in or scored first. I think this season. Uh -huh. So I reckon that Norwich are going to concede first, yet still win. There you go. That's going to be that's going to be my picture painted. Uh, Carlton Morris. I reckon he could get his first start. You know, uh, for Barnsley, he came on against Swansea. Uh, obviously, he's now a permanent signing there. Go on then, make, make, go and predict something for us, Steve. I predict that by this time next week, we will have seen the return of Onel Hernandez. Um, I'm not prepared to predict whether he will have um, bulked out even more in a good way than he seemed to, like Hulk style. <laughs> he was huge at the start of the season, wasn't he? He, did, he, he was bulky, yeah. I wonder also, if he'll get like two minutes. Another thing, just quickly on Onel, which I, I don't like to tweet about these things, but he's we have a terrible record when he plays recently. We have not won in a, something like, it's something like 25 or 30 games, or we've won one in like 25, 30. I think he played in Huddersfield and, and we've not won other than that in any game he's played in for was ages he, and ages. Was he still on the pitch when they scored against Huddersfield? No, that's and that's yeah, that's a very good point. That was the other thing. He wasn't on the pitch for the for the winner in that game as well. Oh, so he's got sorry, a bit of a point no. actually on a, on a serious note. <laughs> Ouch! There we go. Sorry. Savage and Steve Sanders' job as Ono Hernandez's agent has just finished. <laughs> <laughs> what a loss that will be! To him, I'm sure. um, the only other thing I'd throw in is Valerian Ishmael has probably got Barnsley playing as similarly as anyone in the Championship to Daniel Farkas Norwich. 
They don't necessarily have the same strength and depth in players, but in the style and the way they go about it. Uh, the two of them actually did all their coaching courses together and they had like a sort of three-hour chat on the pitch after Norwich played them hmm. earlier this season. So I actually think they could cause Norwich some real problems. And particularly if Farker decides to rest some of his sort of star players as such, that I think that would be a very tricky trip. And I actually, I actually would say that particularly depending on who Norwich choose to rest, which with their eyes on the league will probably be quite a few, I'd, I'd argue that's pretty much a coin toss if not if Barnsley choose to take the cup seriously, which given their league position, they're so bang mid-table because of how Ishmael's picked them up. I actually think I'd, I'd give them a strong chance of winning that one. Uh, what impressed me about Barnsley down here at Carrow Road was they kept going. I think they they still ha- they finished quite strongly and they still had a bit of energy at the end of the game. We'll see how it goes. Oh, well, it should be a good game. It was definitely a good game at Carrow Road. So, um, well, there we go. We're, no one's no one's committing to whether they'll be in the fifth round again. So we'll, we'll skip over that and we'll wait and see. Right, I think that's time. Uh, Brilliant stuff. On the Ball will be with you all season long, of course, so make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The podcast is available free uh, for everyone uh, on your usual podcast player and add free to subscribers of The Athletic via our app. If you like what we're doing, leave a review and a rating where you can. And of course, please spread the word of our efforts across the Norwich City world. If you'd like to get in touch, ask a question or propose a topic for discussion, sling me a direct message on Twitter and I'll try and make sure I can pick it out um, in between all of the Twitter transfer accounts that are trying to contact me to tell them what to tweet. Uh, In the meantime, a big thank you to our guest tonight. That is Steve Sanders, of course. Thank you, Steve. Really a pleasure. Thanks, Michael. And a wonderful debut from Mr. Michael McCann. Thanks, Michael. We'll do it again. My pleasure brilliant stuff i'm gonna tell that as a yes we're gonna do it again (laughs) good uh we'll be back again uh, next week with another on the ball a norwich city podcast from the athletic until then never mind the danger and we're clear there we go welcome gentlemen to wits end um, and I, I mean, Mike, are you happy with your podcast debut? I thought it went very well. Uh, I don't think it's for me to comment on that. Fair enough. Steve, did you think Michael did all right? <laughs> I don't think it's for me to comment on uh, No, no, no. I thought, I thought it went very well. It's, it's nice to have some, uh, some proper, uh, proper insider there called, called Michael, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. Someone who knows, kind of called Michael, who knows. The only thing I will about. say is I definitely talked more sense than the first time I met Steve, which was coming yes. out and doing that piece from the away end after Norwich had beaten Spurs on penalties where um, where myself and a certain Scotsman were, uh, <laughs> were were shouting a lot of things that weren't really words, just, just utterly sort of jubilant at that ridiculous game, which looks even more ridiculous in the context of what happened next. Mm. It's one of those memories I've listened back to that a few times from the penalties and the rest of it being like, did that really happen on March the 4th? Like, given, you know, anyway. Uh, no, so. you, you're, you're right. That was the last time I uh, we I saw you in person because we were all hanging around after outside the stadium afterwards. You can actually... So this isn't actually your debut on the podcast, was it? Or that wasn't because you were on yeah, it in, in a recorded form um, at the end of... Well, end of February, early, early March, I think. Um, so go and listen to that podcast um, and you'll be able to hear Michael and, and Hodgie um, from inside the away end. It's a lovely little section of, of what it was like to experience that. And I remember interviewing Tim Krull and he, he was recording some of his best saves 
we were discussing them all and then we we went through his penalty shootout and a that's such a surreal thing to watch now and to have had those nine thousand norwich fans at that game and everything around it i mean well yeah that's, I, I don't know if i've got the words to to put it down to what yeah well actually us reliving that has made me think i was a bit quick to poo poo us getting into the FA Cup fifth round, but but then I suppose you took the does... points, didn't you, Steve? Just took the points and ran. No <laughs> oh, faith in Norwich maybe getting well, three points somewhere else. But the difference is this time you get to Chelsea at home, and it was such a shame with that Man United home quarter final because that game is without a doubt totally different on a Saturday yeah. evening with Caro Road full rocking, etc., etc. Bringing on eight subs, <laughs> and then they only won it in in in, in uh, extra time, didn't they? Thanks to a massive Tim Cro- uh, Tim Closer error. Anyway, good going by Todd Campbell in that game, by the way. Anyway, everyone, welcome to Wits End. Welcome all you Twitterkers. Hope you enjoyed that chat. <laughs> Hope you feel a part of it. Um, if uh, you've only stumbled across this for the first time, um, make sure, and you don't know what's going on, which is understandable, uh, go and listen to On The Ball podcast number 42. It went live on September the 8th and it is all explained there. You can email this section of the podcast directly. Just uh, email Twitterkers, Twitterker, Twitter, K-E-R-S, so you think I know that off my heart now, Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com, or on social media, preferably Twitter, because I probably don't check the others, um, put whatever you want, but use the hashtag, Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S. Uh, just don't explain what, what it's referring to in general, because this is Secret Club. You've discovered us. Well done. You're a part of it. Uh, this week, uh, the outstanding Twitterkers.co.uk. Uh, not my doing. Someone out there has created our own website. It's truly essential viewing for all Twitterkers. Uh, the uh, defeat clock is now up to an impressive 22 days. So that's 22 days and counting since Norwich last lost. <laughs> so uh, long may that uh, long may that one continue. Um, uh, also, there's a yellow ticker um, along the top, which whoever creates this website, uh, they've uh, added a yellow ticker as if a breaking news, as if, you know, sort of parodying Sky Sports. Um, the interesting point on that is that I got a tweet today from uh, Thomas Lova. I hope I've pronounced that right, uh, Thomas, saying, I just visited uh, the Twitter's website and saw the breaking news, which I think says Emmy Buendia has signed a £5 million deal to move to Arsenal and Mikel Arteta is going in the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> and Thomas was like, he freaked out. He had a panic attack, researched, and then was relieved. Quite an eventful evening. Cheers, lads. <laughs> You're welcome, I'm, Thomas. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I asked for them to put on that website last week to say that Emmy Buendia was going nowhere. And I don't think that's happened yet. In no, fact, no, it, it, no, it's on there. Oh, it is on there. No, oh, well, yeah, well, yeah. I so they have. Apologize. You're right. They have put that on the breaking news uh, ticker, but then underneath, oh, yeah. I think they've literally put a, a screen grab of your of your tweet or someone's tweet. Let's have a quick look here. Uh, no, they've got your quote. Mark my words. Emmy Wendell will be here in February. It says, and then um, there's a screen grab of one of the accounts, which is Emmy other business on Twitter saying um, that Emmy is definitely not leaving. So there we go. Uh, Thomas, I hope you're okay. Steve, it's all right. Your prediction is there and we'll be definitely coming back to it on uh, February the 2nd or whenever the <laughs> pod is after that. Um, so where are we? Yep. So um, visit Twitter, Twitter.co.uk. It's a wonderful website. We've also on there. Uh, we'll wait to see if um, Dimitris Yanoulis uh, looks delighted to sign, if there is a signing picture, if there is one, um, because that can then add to the one on there of uh, Ibrahim Amadou. He doesn't look as upset as some people I've seen in their signing pictures. There's a little bit of a turn up in his in his uh, this corner of his mouth. Uh, I always remember Sebastian Bassong particularly 
looking a bit disgusted with the shirt he was holding up. That was how he looked, I think. I don't think he ever looked that enthusiastic about anything, did he? Well, that picture doesn't exist anymore. I even went on the Norwich really? website and there's no picture attached to it. Well, there's so. a story there, Michael. Who knows? Do a bit of digging. Either, Michael. Do a bit of digging. <laughs> yeah, you can do that one, Michael. Um, <laughs> now, uh, Chillaxgate. Um, exciting news. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it last week with the uh, Paul Lambert clip. I hope you were able to listen to it. The sound quality wasn't great. Um I did mention, you know, maybe the audio of the original mention of Chillax and then the abuse I got from, well, not abuse, but, you know, how Adam Drury and Simon Lappin reacted to it. Well, I found it. I did post it on my Audio Boom account at the time. And so I'm going to play it for all for you here. This is the original and origination of Chillax. Enjoy this, everyone. And we will never speak of it again afterwards. On a personal note, you, will you find it okay with Christmas? Because as you said, you probably had Christmas Day to yourself and Christmas Eve and chillax and you know, have, have a turkey and all those kind of things. Did you say chillax? I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. Didn't mean to. But, um, yeah. I want to it's my girlfriend. I've gone red now. I've, I've got a problem. I bet you that's going to be out For Christmas, yeah, anyway. Um, it, will it be that will that intensity? Will be, will be different. Yeah, it's, it's going to obviously be a lot different for me from a personal note, but, you know, we're, we're, we're professional. We just deal with it as it comes. Uh, we'll just get... <laughs> He's still on about that. Oh, no. <laughs> a reputation. Training hasn't been, been full, but at least you, you're in fine fettle at the moment uh, and good spirits after Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, when you're winning games, it breeds confidence. And obviously, the way we've been playing of late, we've been playing very well. The first half, we didn't play great the other day. Second half, we come out and got a, got a great win. And then hopefully that, that goes on from there. You know? The pun snowballing from there. <laughs> Oh, nice. There's a bet there somewhere. It's better than chillax. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. You're so right. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it really tickled me. Uh, that bit. Shocking. Right. Where were we? Um, <laughs> Super. Thanks. Look, looking back at how the year's gone, um, are you sort of glad that you did stick at it and 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 work and sort of get your head down here? Yeah, definitely. I said all along I wanted to be here, um, and I just I never chillaxed. I just kept my head down and worked hard. Um, all through the kind of time I was out of the team, um, and it's kind of bored of fruits now, but I'm back in the side and I'm enjoying every minute of it. Fantastic. Well done. Good no work. Actually, I said, I walked at it that one. <laughs> Well, there we go. Uh, as I said, the last I'll ever speak of it. But um, uh, it was, of course... I don't uh, think so. <laughs> it was, um, I love the way that I tried to blame, uh, blame my girlfriend. <laughs> that was a which I thought was particularly harsh. Uh, now my wife, so uh, she probably doesn't know. Um, yeah, and obviously the first clip is me speaking to Cody McDonald and uh, I was standing next to Grant Holt. So that was my oh, first mistake. That, Holt, that was Holtie's voice that was, in the background, was it? Grant Holt, yeah, deciding that he should pick up and run with that. And obviously it was the first Christmas Cody McDonald had been a professional footballer. So, you know, it's quite a keen, keen all round. But uh, there we go. Um, what, a, what an exciting uh, set of audio clips that was. I oh, I loved I it. Loved I particularly loved Lappens because he didn't even try and disguise it. He obviously went in there immediately knowing that he was going to stitch you up. And he did. Fair play to him. He did. Yeah. And uh, we, we laughed heartily. <laughs> um, 
so uh, all thanks to Ollie who asked the question, obviously, originally. And I'm uh, I'm going to remove any future apologies uh, to Ollie by answering all his questions now in his email. Remember, you can all email us as well, twitterkers at iCloud.com. Uh, first thing he does say, apology accepted. So thank you, Ollie. That's a nice thing to say. He also casts a vote that he definitely wants me to write a song for Paul Lambert as my next TikTok video. So it looks like I'm going to have to get on with that one. Um, Melvin City, he says he's intrigued um, just as he hasn't been making any appearances yet. Um, I don't know if the club have made a, a judgment on where Melvin City is. I must admit, Ollie, um, I know that he's been injured. Uh, the fact that he hasn't played playing at Telstar is across the season isn't great. Um, and uh, if he does say it's Tel Telstar, they'll be assuming that he will get some game time in the second half of the season. So um, we'll watch it carefully, really. Um, but it, it wouldn't be great if he doesn't feature for them all, all season. Any other business? We've run out of time. It's uh, we're, we're not good. No, <laughs> any other business. <laughs> um, but an Ollie Skip song. Come, someone come up with an Ollie Skip song. Maybe I would like an Ollie Skip song before I've managed to write a Paul Lambert song um, and published it on TikTok. Um, and maybe we could publish the Ollie Skip song on TikTok. Maybe that's something I could do with that. Um, right. You know the hashtag Twitterkers. Twitterkers, at, uh, twitterkers at iCloud.com is the email address. Uh, Michael, thank you so much again. Much appreciated. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Top man. Steve, pleasure. Cheers, Michael. Just going to chillax for the rest of the evening now, I think. <laughs> Thanks for that. I knew he was going to do that from when he said it wasn't ending, so I left it for him. The Athletic. <laughs>